Welcome along to another special episode of Red Tinted Glasses. This is one of the first times we've done this type of episode. It's a getting to know you, and we'll be getting to know our most recent signing, Luis Duck Lopez, who has joined us from the Benfica B team. Now, I thought when I was going to find somebody to speak about um, Luis, I would be speaking to somebody from Portugal, but I have gone stateside. And Joe from the Benfica After 90 podcast joins me all the way from Boston. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks, Glenn. Yeah, happy to be here. Excited to, to talk about our, our boy, Luis. Yeah, we've got a lot of um, American listeners that, that tune in and viewers, in fact, that tune into our podcast. So uh, a taste of an accent they maybe hear on a more regular basis than one that they maybe miss. Um, right. Although maybe they get fed up with my accent after a while. <laughs> yeah, but um, as we... As we're here, you spend a lot of time watching the Benfica B team, and you did over the last couple of seasons. So I feel you're quite well placed to to give us an informed look at our latest recruit. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, kind of to to start off, sort of as what you can expect from. I'll just call him Luis for the purposes of this, but Duke sure. also, you know, as you know, that's sort of what he's more well known as in the Benfica mm-hmm. community and the the Portuguese community, but. He's really, for me, I guess we can start with, you know, his transfer. You know, I think mm-hmm. for the player that you received, the value was tremendous. Yeah, so it's a £400,000 deal, three years. And um, you think Aberdeen have spent wisely, in a sense, are going to get value for money out of this? I think so. And for Benfica, you know, it's a smart deal just because, uh, as I'm sure we'll get to uh, a little bit more in a second, we're really overloaded at the striker position, which is why I was, you know, saddened, but I understood the move. And I thought that the amount for us was reasonable just because, you know, there is a lot of potential here. Um, I wouldn't be surprised in the next few years if you see him in, you know, a championship or moving over to a different league, maybe like Italy or France, right? Like we're not talking about a Premier League signing uh, in the next couple of years, like a Darwin Nunez, which obviously Benfica is known for as well. But when it comes to, you know, Duke, what you're looking at is a player who is just ex- an extremely hard worker, first and foremost. And so that is something that should put a lot of fans at bay is that, you know, when the going gets tough, he doesn't get going, right? He, he just digs in and tries harder and tries harder. And so it, it really speaks a lot to his, his playing style as well, that he's just first and foremost, you know, you want a player that's going to be motivated to do well. And that can be difficult when you have a player that's only ever played in one country, right? And it's going to a different league, a different country, different culture. But I don't think you'll see any motivation issues with him whatsoever. Yeah, and I suppose that's kind of an interesting factor. You described that he's only ever played in Portugal. And in fact, he's really his whole life apart from a brief spell of, um, now excuse my pronunciation of this, is Belenses. Belenses. Yeah, he's he spent most of his time with the Benfica youth setup. So he's not only moving to a different country, but he's also moving to a different style of football, different culture as well. Do you think that would be difficult for him to adapt to, maybe straight away? I, I don't think so, mainly because, um, to the best of, of my knowledge, and, and as you mentioned in uh, our brief conversations before this, the Scottish League is quite a, a physical league. Mm-hmm. And some of his best attributes are the fact that he's a physical player. Um, as I'm sh- sure, you know, you and a lot of other fans have seen from his highlights, he's just a physical specimen. 
right? So uh, it looks like he came from the, the Bayern Academy, the way he's built. Um, but the, the thing is, he is always willing to get into one of those dog fights, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I do think part of the biggest adaptation for him would just be going from a very, you know, technical game here in Portugal where, you know, your touch, your ability to read the game are, are seen as the most important traits a player can have to then going to Scotland where if you're willing to, you know, use your body, um, of course, as well as your, as your, your mind, you're going to go far. And he does have that attribute. So I think the adaptation for him will be mainly the, you know, where he's put into the side, right? Whether he's a starter or whether he starts sort of as uh, more of a substitute option, which in my opinion, I think would really be the, the best option for him. Okay. Um, and, and that's mainly because he's also seen tons of success there. You know, he's almost like a mm -hmm. Santiago Munez uh, super <laughs> sub, so to speak. And that's what he's been for, for Benfica for a couple of reasons, but uh, it's definitely a role that he feels comfortable with. Yeah, okay, well, that's interesting because obviously um, he's the second striker such that we've signed this transfer window with Boyan Mielski coming in. He's currently got a bit of visa issues, hopefully being cleared up by the weekend, obviously. And Luis is, looks to be set to make his debut tonight against Sterling Albion. And if his preferred role is coming off the bench, well, maybe that's something for, for those of you that are maybe listening to this on your way to fourth bank tonight and um, to, to look forward to later on in the game. But we're speaking about his best attributes. You, you've spoken about his physical presence. And that was one thing I was messaging a few accounts to, to try and get an input. And the Benfica youth account on, on Twitter said that he is a very physical striker, traditionally in the box striker, likes to be in and around the box. So would you maybe describe him as a poacher? I would say so, especially in the sense that, you know, I really think it, it works with his hardworking nature in that he does have, let's let's not put it this way, he's a poacher, right? But of course, being a poacher, there are a few different traits, a few different attributes that you need to have. One of them is, of course, reading the game. So he does have a good read of where he needs to be, especially when it comes to those, you know, final third uh, in the box scenarios. So his ability, his positioning I would say is it's definitely above average, right? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say top tier. He's phenomenal, yeah. you know, um, but he definitely, there's, there's room for improvement there, but little, he, he knows what he's doing in terms of where he needs to be. And thankfully just because of his hardworking nature, you know, he is willing to never give up on the plays. So yeah. you'll, see him, you'll see him squeeze goals that other strikers typically, you know, would be a step too late for, or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe even just be caught looking for yeah, and I suppose that kind of really echoes the thoughts. That was the next point that the Benfica Youth Account did say was who's finishing may need improving. You know, not criticising that he is a poor finisher, but maybe, as you just said there, he's not at the, necessarily at the top of the game. But then again, we can maybe, as me and Carl have done on previous episodes, maybe look at his, you know, he's still quite a young player. He's still not fully developed, not rounded. And, and maybe that's going to be something that us as Aberdeen fans maybe need to, to give Luis a bit of time because he'll be working in a, a new league, new players. I, I'm not sure what his English is like. It's, it's maybe going to have a bit of time to develop an understanding with those that, the wingers that he'll be playing with as well. Um, but certainly, uh, if he's prepared to work as hard as, as you're saying, then maybe the only good things can come for, for him and, and Aberdeen this season. And I think one of the interesting things that you mentioned there, you know, is there is definitely room for improvement. 
But part of the reason that he's taken on this secondary substitute role is just because of who he's had ahead of him, frankly. So he came to go back in, in 2017. Um, and, you know, now he's he's 22 years old. Thankfully, his age is easy because, you know, he's born in the year 2000. So he goes, <laughs> the year, as my grandfather likes to say. But um, he spent the time this past season behind Enrique Rujo. Um, Glad you did that pronunciation because I was going to have to. So, <laughs> you know, Enrique, you know, Enrique, you can call him. Yeah. Um, Enrique Rujo, he was actually voted the young player of the season in the second division of Portugal. Okay. Right. And not only was that, did that happen? But he also made his debut for the Benfica first team and scored two goals in, uh, you know, our last league game of the season. This is for the first team. Mm-hmm. You know, we've there's been rumors of Real Madrid wanting him for 50 million this summer. So he's not, you know, he's not sitting behind someone who's, you know, in a couple of years going to be playing Sunday league. No, he, he's yeah. he's behind potentially a world class striker. So that really has his kind of, you know, brought people down on him in the Benfica mm. and community because for us, funny enough, 22 years old is old for a striker, okay. you know, and and that's one of the reasons also why this deal, I'm happy for him as well because he's starting to realize, you know, this is my time. I am good enough to be the main man on a squad. And that's why I'm excited for his move. He actually just also declared for the Cape Verdean national team. Yeah. Um, recently, and I think this really goes with that same, you know, trend for him, which is, look, I don't want to be, I don't want to be here waiting, kind of wasting my time. I want to get to work right away. And I think that this, uh, you know, he captained the side in his first, mm-hmm. uh, his first international periods, which is, you know, crazy. But I think he's a player whose head is in the right place. And that all kind of sort of comes back to what you can expect from him. And if it's a slow start, he's a player that you stick with. You know, mm-hmm. it's not going to be someone where, you know, we've seen it, of course, every every fan at every club has seen it, where there are players that come in and you see that they're sort of disconnected. That will not be him. Like you said, English, you know, adapting to a new culture, a new language, that will be a challenge for him. But at the end of the day, you know, the game itself, the same ball is going in the same net and sooner rather than later, he's going to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Patience may be the key, um, right. not something Aberdeen fans are overly known for. Um, but uh, look, we've got to give him time. And, you know, it's interesting hearing you say that because that was kind of one question I maybe had was the fact that he has spent a lot of last season behind um, Enrique, like you said. He only completed three 90 minutes. I think there was one 87 minute game he had in there. So do you feel that obviously you've explained why? You know, he was behind who he was behind and also alluded to the fact that he maybe preferred being that impact striker off the bench. Not that it's affected him because a lot of his goals that he was scoring were as an impact substitute. Do you think, though, his main decision has been going to find more regular first team football and he's viewing that as an opportunity here in Aberdeen? Of course, yeah. And, you know, even currently, uh, as I mentioned before, the Benfica first team is, is pretty overloaded. At this moment, you know, there are some rumors about some outgoing strikers, outgoing deals to be made. But at this moment, we have six first-team strikers, not including, you know, Luis. I, I would consider him a B-team striker. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, between Yeremchuk, Seferovic, uh, these are players that are starters for their national teams. Yeah. Then you have Gonzalo Ramos for Portugal, and Higarouge. Then we have some other uh, uh, some other signings there in the mix. It, it There really wasn't any glimmer of opportunity 
for him, unfortunately, in the first team. And so I think that is a, a main reason. And, you know, he's capable of great things. One of my favorite B-team moments, actually, was towards the end of the season where we were down 1-0. He comes on in the last, uh, you know, 15 minutes of the game or so. Mm-hmm. Of goals in five minutes and wins the game for us. Yeah, and, you know, nice. takes off a shirt, celebrate. It, it was just a, it was a, a great, like, uh, Twitter moment as well. You know how, how we live these games through exactly, Twitter. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the, everyone was so high and mighty on him. Like, oh, I can't wait to give this guy a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he is, you know, there is room for improvement with his finishing. But in terms of being a clutch player, he does not shy away from the big moments, which yeah, is yeah. why I do think, you know, for if you're looking for a player who needs to be clutch, which I think every club is, this is your guy. So while I say, you know, in general, it may take him some time to, you know, become a starter and play full 90 minutes. Um, but when it comes to, hey, the last 30 minutes of a match and it's, you know, nil-nil or you need that goal, he is a guy that you can look to with confidence on the bench. Mm-hmm. And you know, hopefully while he's at Aberdeen, my hope, and of course, I'm sure your hope as well, yeah. is that he becomes that starter, right? Because right now for me, He's a fantastic super sub, and I think that's what you can expect from him. Mm-hmm. But, again, I think where you can sort of push his limits as fans and, you know, as a, a club is just to see him take on that starter role by the end of the year. It's good that you have other signings. I'm sure mm-hmm. that, you know, there's more depth at the position. But he is primarily that center forward uh, in that poacher. I would I would yeah. classify him as that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, ultimately, you know, that you're, you're looking at a clutch player. Um, which is yeah. obviously for the for the value there that you got. I think it's tremendous again. And, and do you know, is there any kind of selling clause that Benfica have put in there on any future deal, or is it all just being retained in Aberdeen? I, I don't. I don't believe so. Um, I believe because you know, uh, in addition, there was another. Um, there were a couple actually deals from Benfica to the Scottish League with Jota. Mm-hmm. That was different. Um, we're keeping, I believe, it's forty percent of his pass or something, and mm-hmm. then for. Um, uh, another player, Jay Tavares, who yeah. I was yeah, a pretty big fan of as well, um, it, we're letting him go um, without retaining any rights. So mm. from what I've heard, um, there haven't been any details released on that, but I do believe he's yours. Yeah, interesting. And, I, I, you know, we've, we've been kind of speaking about maybe his impact coming off the bench. We're hoping maybe to get to see him and tonight against Sterling Albion, if not, we've got a game coming up on Sunday against Wraith Rovers before the league action gets underway. Do you think he'll be behind his teammates in terms of you know that that match fitness? We heard from one of our most recent signings, um, Yilber Ramadani, who was doing a lot of work behind the scenes with a, with a personal trainer to keep his own fitness up. Do you think Luis will have been doing the same? You know, maybe match fitness is is not quite there. And because obviously he's, he's missed a large chunk of our own preseason, but in terms of physical fitness, let's call it, how do you think he'll he'll be in, in terms of coming into Aberdeen? You know, Jim Goodwin did say he has com- completed in three training sessions. So I yeah I, I think that that is to me that's probably going to be more of a question mark. He missed from pretty much beginning of February till the beginning of the very very beginning of May. Uh, this yeah. past season dealing with some you know injuries that being said i mean that match that i was just telling you about where he mm-hmm. you know, turned it around in the 87th minute or whatever it was that was, was that the first game back from injury was 
first or second. It was one yeah. of, and that's another reason why it was so crazy. It was like, oh my, where's this guy been? Oh wait, he's been here for the last couple of months. But um, but it, I don't doubt that he's working to to maintain that finance. You know, I I think that he is the type of player that during his holiday he was working mm, yeah. because you know his holiday was when he was injured and he's ready for this new challenge. Um, when he played in that game for the Cape Verde national team as well, I only saw um pretty much you know the summaries on on Twitter, but it mm. did seem that he was playing well um and that his match fitness was more or less there. Um, so I think that you know. In terms of playing a full 90, no, but can you expect him again to play in the role that he's been assuming for the last several months of Ifica? Yes. You can get a great 30 minutes out of him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those 30 minutes typically are going to be clutch minutes where if he gets two shots on net, I think he'll score one. Yeah, well, at least um, with the predicted heat that tomorrow's game's going to happen, you'll be used to that, if, right. if, if anything else. Right. But on, on that injury, was, was it a serious injury that kept him out for, for that, that length of time? Because... You know, you've mentioned that game in particular where he comes back. After his return, he had eight goals from 20 appearances last season, six starts. And I think that the season before, it was just just the four starts that he had 17 substitute appearances as well. So he doesn't, again, kind of building this profile that, that you've mentioned here, he doesn't actually start a lot of games. But obviously there, there maybe will be concern from fans researching his past. Was it? a quite serious injury in that two months to keep him out for that two months. It, it was, I believe it was a, a muscular inju- uh, mm-hmm. injury. I can't actually recall what the, the injury was itself. I do remember him, um, him sort of being out from a game and then people were like, Oh, was, is he injured? Or is this just, you know, kind of a, a muscular issue, you know, kind mm-hmm. of cautionary issue. But uh, I think that also with the sort of the hot streak that Enrique was riding, there was really no need um, to, to rush him back. Okay. And the Benfica B team, you know, they're, they do have a commitment to the player as well. So I think that the the full extent was mainly precautionary. Um, mm. You know, it wasn't like that they, it was the first team and we needed him back for a massive, you know, League Cup match or Champions League yeah. match. It was mainly, look, um, at that time, I'm sure he had also sort of made it known to the club, look, we're in the last six months here. Am I going to renew my contract or am I, mm. am I leaving? What's, what's my future? Um, so, of course, I have no inside information there, but <laughs> that could have played a role as well as to, you know, how thorough his recovery was. But mm-hmm. when he came back, he was back. So I wouldn't be worried about any, any uh, triggering of that injury in the preseason or anything. Yeah, no, uh, perfect. And you've already kind of mentioned the other players that have moved from Benfica to um, the Scottish Premiership. Obviously, we saw a lot of um, Yota last season and how, how much he kind of transformed Celtic with some, you know, just his impact on that way. And um, Tavares, you've mentioned there, moving moving to Hibs, who's obviously a teammate of um, Luis, and I think set up quite a lot of his goals, judging from, from the highlight reel. You know, you've said, obviously, Luis himself is, is quite a, a physical player. We, we saw how well um, Yota can, you know, dealt with Scottish football last season. Is there any concerns for you that, that Luis will struggle to, to adapt over here, given it's not as maybe technical as it is in, in Portugal? I, I think you've maybe kind of answered this a little bit already, though. Yeah, I, I don't think he will, mainly, again, because thankfully he does have that physical stature. And I think really, above all, it is, it, it's 
it seems sort of you know repetitive at this point but he is just such a determined player mm-hmm. and at that position too especially right if you're looking at uh you know sort of one of those center midfielders that's going to be always recovering the ball or you look at a poacher like this right or a gritty outside back you mm-hmm. need them to be determined and it, it really does not lack him at all and i think that you know you won't see him become arguably, you know, a, a team MVP like Jota was. Mm. And, and just to quick this out, Jota was actually one of my favorite players. Um, <laughs> so that one, especially her, I've been, you know, kind of trying to disillusion myself over the course of something. He's going to stay. I haven't heard any news, but I'm happy for him. And I do hope he succeeds. Um, uh, just not get sovereign, you know, obviously. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one caveat. Um, he'll rest those games, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> with, with Luis, you know, I do think that he has the ability. He's a striker that I think you can expect anywhere from eight to 12 goals for from mm-hmm. the course of the season in the league. Um, you know, in all competitions, I'm sure, you know, between the League Cup and the Scottish Cup, maybe add a couple more there. Um, but I, I think that he'll be, a, he will be a highlight, right? He mm-hmm. won't be someone that you look at and say, okay, at the end of the season when we talk again or, you know, you're doing your season wrap up, you won't say, well, you know, maybe next year. Mm. You'll say, okay, we liked what we saw this year. Maybe it wasn't as great as we thought. Maybe it was as great as we thought. But next season is the season he's going to, you know, explode. This season, yeah. I think it be an adaptation season for him. But when mm. I say that, adaptation for him is still churning out, you know, around around 10 to a dozen goals. So that's not too bad, if you ask me. Yeah, I think that would be certainly a good start. Um, like you say, enough. it if you want to call it a development season for him this season without a full pre-season under his belt. You know, we've got other players that maybe signed it, you know, Vicente Bazan that we signed in January. We were hoping to see the best out of him this season, given he spent a full summer with the squad getting to know them. You know, kind of on the, the last point of say, you know, Christian Ramirez, who's was our top goal scorer last season, you know, he's the current number one striker just now, but he's out of contract next season and there's kind of a lot of discussion whether he will stay and see out this this year of his contract or um, move in this current transfer window. And if he does stay, maybe this is an opportunity for Luis to to learn, develop his skills in, in Scottish football, and then we see the best out of him next season. Potentially, as you know, you've said, you know, if he's going to cause that impact off the bench, because obviously he'll be competing not only with Christian but also um, Boyan Miowski as well. And as I said earlier in the episode, still yet to get clearance to play for tonight's game, but we are hoping to see him on Sunday when Wraith Rovers come to Pataudry. But with that competition in the striker area, um, Joe, do you think Luis will just bide his time and show that his worth is there up front? Or could he be developed into a wide player, a winger? Or should Aberdeen just focus on him being a striker? What, what would be your opinion for those that have said, let's see him as a winger? Because one thing that myself and Callum, who's obviously not joining us tonight, have said on the show is we do need that creative spark on the wing. And I think some people have maybe seen over signing somebody from Benfica. He can maybe play there. Right. Especially when you see Jothan, what he's done on the wing, it's like, okay, it, maybe, you know, we, we struck gold here with him. Exactly. See, uh, I think that's that's more wishful thinking than anything, unfortunately. Um, he has, he's played pretty much, I want to say, the, the better half of the last two seasons at that number nine, that center forward role. 
Okay. That being said, he did make some appearances. I believe that when um, when Benfica had lost, not this, uh, the Champions Youth League, uh, but the previous ones, Real Madrid, I'm pretty sure when he came on, he came on the wing as well. And it's not to say that he won't be effective, and I do think that, you know, depending on the averaging system, depending on the way he adapts to the league, it could be that, you know, he just so happens to fit there. But he's mm-hmm. not a dicey, skillful, you know, magician that Jota is. Mm-hmm. He is really the type of player that comes in. And I have we have mentioned that his finishing needs uh, some work. But if you fans also, unfortunately, I'll, I'll be a little bit, uh, you know, transparent here. We are very critical. Um, so if he had one miss in a game where we were up for nothing, his finishing instantly needs work and people will hold that to him until he, he scores in the Champions League final, right? So uh, it's in, in that sense, I do think that he's a player that you, you want to focus with at that center forward role. And I do think, sounding like the, from your situation with the, at the, the number nine position right now, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, ideally Aberdeen should be sort of grooming him for, look, this season you will be our super sub, you will be our number nine. We need you to score goals when we call on you, right? Your time will come. You will get League Cup. You will get Scottish Cup starts here and there, depending on, you know, the rounds and the opponent. Mm. Um, but that's going to be your your role this season. You know, substitute, mm. but really that super sub where, you know, maybe you give him, uh, you know, 30 minutes here or there. But the great thing is, unlike Jota, when he was at Benfica, or many youth products, if you only play him for, you know, 15 or 10, 10, 15 minutes, you will still get a product out of him. You won't have to worry Mm -hmm. about burning him and not giving him enough Mm -hmm. punches or, you know, that's not just, that's not how he plays. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the future, maybe you want to move him to the wing. If you really just see great results from your other strikers, but I would, uh, I would, I would lead against that. Yeah, no, that's that's very interesting because maybe what we'll now see this season is maybe a move more for Marley Watkins moving out to the wing for those of you that are from an Aberdeen persuasion tuning in. And, and I think it's fair to say last season we maybe struggled with a plan B when Christian Ramirez wasn't firing Marley Watkins who we still have maybe question marks around his fitness. So to have somebody that by all accounts from what Joe's telling us on this episode is if we give him the opportunity nine times out of ten hopefully we'll find the back of the net but Benfica fans are critical well so are we but I think the overriding thing is most football fans are critical but we need to be patient and and give this guy time to develop into the player because you know if Benfica fans think that we've got a steal then look at what what Jota did last season maybe his fans are also getting excited listening to um, you speak about Luis hoping for similar things with Tavares as well Um, and, you know, maybe in a couple of seasons we'll really get to see the, the quality that, that he has. Yeah, I think you will. And in, in, um, especially something that will be interesting is to, to see how his role develops also with the national team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he is a player who, like I said, just made that commitment to the Cape Verde national team. They're not exactly known as a powerhouse in Africa, but they are sort of on the, the up and coming uh, group of sides. So it it'll be interesting to see how that also helps him regain confidence, right? Because that's one thing that you can also look at if he's struggling early on, he goes to the national team, bags a couple of goals, comes mm. back to that renewed confidence. And he won't be a, he wouldn't be that player if he's stuck with Portugal, right? Because mm-hmm. on international break, he'd be going through all those misses. 
talking to his friends who were on international break. And, you know, that's never good for a player's confidence. So mm. he's really committed to being professional, right? He's not holding on to his hopes and dreams where, hey, one day I'll play for Benfica, one day I'll play for Portugal. He says, look, I want to be an instant contributor now. And I think that's what all Aberdeen fiends fans should want to hear. Mm. I know that's actually a really good point to kind of end on because we obviously want to have that players that are committed to the jersey want to be here and want to improve us as a team and it certainly sounds like that and the international ambition side of things is, is an excellent caveat because as you said it took me by surprise that he captained the team on his debut against Ecuador I think it was so and you're totally right strikers are such confidence players so if he is struggling in Scotland maybe going away with that national team is the perfect tonic for him to go and get a couple of goals on international duty or to perform well for his country, feel that pride and come back to Aberdeen with a bit of motivation, a bit of confidence, and then in turn that benefits us domestically. Exactly. Hopefully he's smashing it on both ends, but you know, worst case scenario, he'll come back with that renewed confidence, like you said. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. Absolute pleasure um, catching up with you on Luis Lopez Aberdeen's latest signing. Obviously, as I said, you're a part of the Benfica After 90 podcast. You also do your own blog for Benfica fans um, over in America. Just you know, tell the viewers and listeners, because we might have some Benfica fans tuning in, Miles Tracking. I hope you've got your Benfica cap on, especially for this episode. So for anybody wanting to, to find these um, shows in your blog, please. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Uh, obviously, it's it's been a pleasure talking to you as well. I actually, on SofaScore here, I've already added uh, Luigi and Aberdeen, so I'll be, be following along with you guys for the season. I have no club allegiance in Scotland, so I think you might have won me over already. Um, but uh, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, my Twitter is at Benfiquista, U-M. Uh, um, and I do have the blog, the Benfiquista Americano um blog it's also there linked in in my twitter um but for for any fans who you know may be thinking about you know i saw benfica uh put on a show against liverpool and ajax last season but darwin nunez is gone you know is it even worth worth sort of adopting them as my porky side i'm always going to say yes but um it's been an especially exciting preseason we have a new manager roger schmidt who previously managed the psv um we've signed a, a handful of exciting products the most recent of which who uh came from river plate enzo fernandez uh, 21 years old he's from argentina so we're hoping that he becomes uh, a staple in that argentina team and it's going to be a very fun year and unfortunately for Benfica fans we haven't seen a title now it's one of our um you know longest title droughts in the last it's going to be over three years pretty much um I wish it was three years for us. <laughs> but um, but you know, for for this season, it's going to be exciting, and you know, hopefully, uh, Duke Luis gives as many moments of excitement as our team gives to to us. He was really. I, I will. Uh, if there is a way for you to watch the full match, it was in May of this season against Villa Fracans, uh, where he scores those two goals. Or hopefully that's in the highlights. Man, that was a moment that honestly it was an unforgettable moment from the B team this season uh, on Twitter. It was just so electric, and I hope that that you have plenty of moments like that with him uh, soon. Well, I, I hope we do as well. And if we do, and there's highlights, I'll be sending you them so you can uh, revel in those moments as well. But of course, if you do follow us on Twitter at RTG underscore podcast, 
the tweet for this episode will be there with links to um, Joe's Twitter account um, to follow him and also the Benfica After 90 podcast will be tagged in. So if you Benfica are your Portuguese team or maybe they are now after um, hearing from Joe, then you can check those um, pages out. But Joe, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thanks again, Glenn. It was great. Yeah, it was. It was really good to get uh, a really good insight in, into Luis and hopefully he breaks his duck tonight against Sterling Albion, if not against Wraith on Sunday. But Joe, pleasure. And for all of you tuning in, 